The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of them dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. When the captain with the officers went and brought them, then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning that we're here together. Um, thank you for this word that just is a great demonstration of your power. Lord, I pray that you would take all distractions away this morning and that we would be focused on you as we hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, good morning, church family. How you doing? It's great to see you this morning. Um, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Randall. I'm the lead pastor of Grace City, and uh, we have been journeying through the book of Acts. Uh, but before we jump into that, I just want to encourage you, you know, personally, I'm sure that many of us are just going through things, right? Like it's, it's hard um, throughout the week to really process everything that's going on, and then you kind of get to Sunday, and you're like sitting here processing. And so I just want you to know it's okay if you're struggling this morning. You know, for me, it's it's been a tough week. I mean, you know, I shared last week that my parents were, were struggling. They were sick with, with COVID. And um, it seems like they're on the, the track to get better. But my mom's um, getting some, um, some tests run uh, just to check on her physically, see if she's doing okay. And then on top of that, my wife's aunt is, she has terminal cancer and my uncle does as well. And so it's just, there's like a lot of personal stuff, right? That's going on in my life. And I just want you to know that if you're going through anything um, that we're here for you, that we love you, and it's okay to just sit back for a minute and just kind of breathe, right? Just kind of breathe and say, yeah, it's hard right now. It's difficult right now. Um, but God's grace is sufficient. And, you know, I, I'm not exempt from going through difficult times. And I know you're not either. 
So I, I do want to just take a minute for us, just the church family, like it's okay. <sighs> Breathe. Breathe. God's with us. He loves us. I just want to take a moment in prayer before we jump into God's word, okay? Father, I thank you for this, this time, this space that we can come to you, that we can seek you, that we can know, God, that we're loved despite whatever we're going through. And I pray, God, that you speak to us this morning, you encourage us, you, you lift our spirits, Lord, for any of us that are, that are wrestling right, right now in this moment, whatever we might be going through throughout the week, Lord, just that moment to sit and to breathe and, and to be with other believers. Lord, we come to you asking that you meet us in this place. And God, you know what's going on inside our hearts. You know what's going on in the lives that we're living. And so, Father, we just pray for your mercy to meet us in that place today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in the book of Acts. We've been talking about how the early church operated, right? The early church, we see that the, the acts of God, the power of God coming upon the church in really amazing ways, transformative ways. And so we're looking at Acts 5, 12 through 26 today. And here's the message. The words of this life. The words of this life. I don't know if you caught that as, as Janie was reading the scripture today, but, but as I was reading that scripture and really looking at, okay, what is it that, that really stuck out to me as I, as I processed this passage this week? It was this, the words of this life. What does the words of this life look like? This new life that Jesus gives us, even in the midst of difficulty. Last week, we looked at how the early Christians, they were marked by this, this grace-filled generosity, but also this holy reverence for God. And we looked at these parallel accounts of, of Barnabas and of Ananias and Sapphira. And I think as we read the scriptures, that's just one of those hard passages for us as we wrestle with it. But, but what it showed us is this, that Ananias and Sapphira, they'd bought in this belief that they could deceive God and also try and use the church to gain some prestige for themselves. And you remember that it was through their deep hypocrisy that God exposed the fakeness and through that, God brought this swift discipline. And it reminded us of Galatians 6, which says, God is not mocked. God, God is not deceived, right? There might have been other people that, that, that might have fallen into the trap of being deceived by them, but, but God was not deceived. He saw right through the masks, quickly revealed the truth about who they really were. 
And as we think about the gospel and how that really impacts our lives, we, we have to say that in many ways, as we come into Christianity, we start in this place of hypocrisy, of areas that need to ex- be exposed in our lives, of masks that we wear, right? Where, where we're pretending to be something that we're not. But that God, through his grace, meets us in that place, takes off the mask, exposes us, and offers us grace in life. You see, it's, there's a genuineness to walking with Jesus. And the response from the church was that there was a great fear and reverence that came over the people. Verse 11 says, And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Heard these things, what things? They heard about Ananias and Sapphira. And so there was, a, there was a, an awe and a reverence that came over the church that said, God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is holy, and we're coming before this holy God who's allowed us to know who he is. Now, why was this so important for the early church and for us to get today? Well, it's this. D.A. Carson says, The very heart of the new covenant is transformed character. The results of, of regeneration are new life that comes from God. People who love holiness where they did not once love holiness. People who have been transformed from the inside. Now Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted a reputation and pretend, in fact, into, in fact, pretend that they had been transformed. Thus, they are lying regarding the gift of the Spirit. They are lying before God. They are not simply deceiving the church. And so again, what is it that, that God is getting at the root and the heart of, of, of the believers to get and understand? It's that to be a Christian is to be transformed. It's to be made new. It's to have a new life. And to, to love holiness, to love the ways of God in ways that we didn't before. It's being transformed. See, for the Christian, it is a transformed character that matters. And inherently, you know this, and those who aren't Christians know this too. You see, because many times our society looks at the church and they say there should be something different about them. But in many ways, they see something that's very similar to them. They say, why, why should I join the church if you're just the same way as me? That doesn't mean we don't have struggles. That doesn't mean that we don't work through sin in our lives. But is there something distinctly different because I'm a Christian? See, what is this Christian character? Well, Oswald Chambers says, the expression of Christian character is not doing good, but God-likeness. If the Spirit of God has transformed you within, you will exhibit divine characteristics in your life. Not, not just good human characteristics. God's life in us expresses itself as God's life, not as human life trying to be godly. 
You see, what this means is that, that when God comes into your life, it's like Galatians 6 says, is that there's fruit that comes out of your life that wasn't produced by you, but by God. It's like Jesus invited his disciples and says, stay connected to me and you will produce fruit. Right? What's the source of the transformation in our lives? It's God. God's the source. He's taking us from where we are and taking us to where we never could have been. He's transforming us into people we could have never been on our own. See, what does it look like to reflect the words of this life to be a Christian? It's that our actions and our words start to match up and we start to live lives of character in ways that we could have never lived it before we knew Christ. See, it's the process of God making us more like Jesus, transforming us where our words and our life honestly reflect God's kingdom. And so today we're going to explore how God graciously shapes our character in spite of our circumstances. In spite of our circumstances, okay? And so um, our text today is Acts 5, 12 through 26. And so what can we learn about Christian character, the type of character that, that reflect the words of this life? Well, there are three elements that we see in today's text. I'm going to break it down in, into three words here. The first one is renewal. The next is rejection. The last is resolve. Renewal, rejection, resolve. So the first one, renewal. Look at verses 12 through 16. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women so they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. That as Peter came by, at, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Now what did this renewal look like as these Christians lived out their lives in front of the watching world? Well, first, it says that they were all together. And specifically, they were doing this in a public way because it says they were out there in Solomon's portico. And so this is where they publicly met and they were consistently meeting. People saw them meeting. I was talking with uh, one of our neighbors this morning. And one of the things that we talked about, he said, it's just comforting to know that your church is here. He says, I see you consistently out here. He says, it's just a comforting thing to see you out here. And so I want you to know that there's encouragement that's happening for people as they just see us meeting as believers. There's an encouragement. And what happens is they were being renewed relationally with each other, but also with those around them. So there was a renewal that was happening. But second, it says that the people held them in high esteem. 
So there was this reputation that they had. That, that was one that was a good reputation amongst the people. See, those outside the church respected those inside the church. Again, I've heard that this time, this season that we're living in right now is called the Great Reset. The Great Reset. It's, it's like all of us are looking at our lives and saying, what really matters? What, what, what is this life all about? But then it's also, I think, in many ways, a reset on the way that we view church. The way that we've done church. The way that we've operated as church. Have we gotten so prioritized on ourselves that we've missed out on those that truly need to be loved? Because as, as Jesus broke down the Ten Commandments, he said it was this. It was to, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And in many ways, if we put that litmus test on the church, can we come to the conclusion that says, yeah, these are people that love God and love their neighbors, love people. If we were to boil this down, what is it about? I saw this study that was done. They said, what are the people that stick out to you when it comes to um, modern Christianity, right? The Christian church. People were surveyed. And so the people that stuck out to them was Billy Graham was at the top of the list. And Jesus was like third or fourth. And when did it become this place where, where we're reflecting more or, or, or the reputation, I guess, of, of the church has, has become anything more than Jesus? Has become anything more than Jesus? Because right now, if we took a study or a survey and we asked people just that we know, and they said, okay, what, what do you think that the church is? What, what do you think that the church is represented? Like, who represents the church? What are the names that they put up there? What are the names of the people, right? Because we need to get it back to a place where we say, you know what? People, when they see the church, it's reflected in Jesus. They, they think of Jesus, not just another celebrity pastor or this person or that person. They think of Jesus. They think of Jesus. When people saw this church, the early church, they thought of Jesus. It says the pe people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. See, what happened was there's this renewed purpose that they had where God was healing the sick. I read this interesting article in July of 2019. Mike Aquilina wrote an article entitled How the Church Invented Healthcare. And here's what he wrote. He said, throughout the writings of the early Christians, there is an emphasis on Jesus as a healer. St. Ignatius of Antioch wrote in AD 107, spoke of the Lord as a physician. 
the early historian Eusebius described Jesus' ministry with lines taken directly from the pagan physician Hippocrates. He wrote, A devoted physician to save the lives of the sick sees the horrible danger yet touches the infected place and in treating another man's troubles brings suffering on himself. Christians instinctively responded to Jesus' healing imperative by dedicating themselves to the practice of medicine. St. Justin Martyr in the second century and Origen in the third both testify that many of their co-religionists were medical doctors. The historian Ferngren, citing archaeology and documentary evidence, concludes that no other profession group comes close to the number of physicians in the early church. Now what we see here is God is using the apostles to do much of the work of what Jesus did, right? There was, there was physical healings that w- were happening in this. But beyond that, beyond the work of the apostles, there was healings that were happening through medicine and through those who were studying medicine. Physicians, doctors. We see this pattern that, that started to come out of the church. Right today, God has given us the grace of having those who work in the medical field who help us to understand the importance of medicine in our lives. But I want you to know that back then, that was not a common thing. That was not a common practice. Anyone that was a part of any kind of like medical care was usually royalty or elites. But what we find is that the Christian church, the church, because of what Jesus did, takes that pattern and helps those who are in need in the world. And out of that springs what we know is, is healthcare, hospitals, even educational institutions. The early church saw that it was their responsibility to care for those around them. It was living out the ways of Jesus. And so their lives pointed to this activity of the the renewal of God in the world and, and how God meets us in our brokenness to bring healing. And verse 14 says, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. More than ever, believers were added to the Lord. You know what they saw? They saw a realness and a credibility that led people to say, Wow, this is a work of God. This isn't a work of of some person, some man, some woman. Like, this is a work of God. It's a work of God that's happening. But second, then from that we see this rejection. Look at verses 17 through 18. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. Now this is, again, another time where the apostles, the first time they were put in prison, we we read about that, we looked at that, now they're put in prison again. But 
But the apostles were facing this rejection now again from the leaders, the religious leaders. And it says that the religious leaders, the high priests, the leaders of the time were filled with this jealousy. Now, what does this word for jealousy mean? Well, it could mean um, also it could be translated for envy or defensiveness. They were losing control. And so the apostles were, were filled with God. The leaders were filled with rage. And because of that, the apostles faced prison time again. And once again, the leaders were, were given an opportunity Right, because they're experiencing, they're seeing that there's this community there. They're, they're experiencing and hearing the message of Jesus. Once again, they're getting this opportunity to see God's grace. And what are they doing? They're rejecting it. I don't want anything to do with it. They were given an opportunity to hear the message of Jesus again, and they rejected it. We want to keep control. We want to be in charge of our lives. We don't want anything to do with Jesus. And so they've just kind of distanced themselves again. They, they, they've been filled with this jealousy. And see, many times what we can ask ourselves is this. As we look at these religious leaders, what does that look like in our lives? See, what are the things that we're rejecting of God's grace all around us or the message of Christ all around us? See, what's filling you that will lead you to reject or receive the message of Jesus? They face this rejection. But lastly, there was this resolve that we see in them. Look at verses 19 through 21 and then 25 through 26. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, go. And stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. I love that. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Skip down to verse 25. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. When the captain with the officers went and brought them, but, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. Now, in this passage, we see this great resolve from the apostles who had just faced prison time. They, they just endured the threats of those who were in, in charge. And we see them going back out, living for Christ, teaching about Jesus. We see this happening. Right? They were told, go stand in the temple, speak to the people all the words of this life. And they did it. They obeyed. They obeyed God. See, where does resolve come from in our life over the challenges and rejections that we face? Where does that type of resolve come from? It comes from God. It comes from God. You see, this is, this is a, a really a supernatural event that happens here because it says that the, the, um, the angel came and, and, and let them out. And the word for angel here is a, a messenger, right? And so there's a messenger of the Lord. There is an angel that, that opens the prison doors. And we're like, well, I've never had an angel come and get me out of a situation. First, you don't know that. 
<laughs> Secondly, we look at this this story in particular, and we see that this angel spoke to them and said, go and stand in the temple, speak to the people all the words of this life. Now, the funny thing and the ironic thing about this is this, that the Sadducees and the people in charge, they didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe that angels were real. And so we see that it was an angel who lets these guys out and then sends them to go do this work. And what we find is that God is overturning the systems that were at work at currently in the world. He, he, was, he was doing a big reset. He's saying, this is the way that you thought the world operated, but actually it works this way. I'm in charge. And so that's the reason why these religious leaders did not use force to do anything because they're like, okay, they were afraid now of the people because the people were seeing that God was at work too. First Peter 4.19 says, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Let me, let me say that again because this hit me this week as I was reading. I just came across this passage. I was like, this, is, this needs to be put in here. So then, those who suffer according to God's will. Hold on. So there's a plan in the midst of my suffering. There's a God who oversees my life even though I'm going through difficulty and he still loves me. He's still over these things. Who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves Making a commitment here. It's the big C word. We hate it, right? I don't, I don't like committing. I like to kind of dip my foot in the, the water a little bit, but I don't really like to commit to something. No, he says, commit yourself to what? To your faithful creator. To your faith. So I'm, I'm coming under, I'm committing myself to God. My faithful creator, God is faithful in the midst of what I'm going through. He's faithful to get me through, even though I'm struggling with faithfulness myself. God, you're faithful. What's it say? Continue to do good. Continue to do good. This is what resolve looks like. This is what Christian resolve looks like in the midst of whatever you're facing. In the midst of a world where you're saying, this is chaotic, I don't know what to do. It's committing yourself under God's rule, under God's authority, under God's power. I'm going to commit myself under this and say, God, you're faithful, and I'm going to continue to do good through your power and strength. Lord, help me to be fruitful in whatever I'm facing in life, whatever season that I'm in. Help me to be faithful, Lord. That's the resolve of what it looks like. And you know what happens in the midst of that? There's a character that God builds in you. You know what I'm talking about, right? The kind of character where you look at somebody and you say, man, they're a person of character. I wish I had the faithfulness like them. I wish I had the resolve like them. I wish I had that, that humility like them. But many times what we don't see is what got them to that place. What got them there. And what we see here is with the apostles in their life, God got them there. 
God got them there on his strength. And, and, and there was a character that started to develop in them that, that wasn't there before. Because what we saw is that they, there, there were times where they were afraid, that they ran. Same people who were at the foot of the cross of Jesus, the ones that ran far from him as they saw him being crucified. The ones who had to be convinced that he was alive. Those ones are the ones who are standing boldly and courageously and preaching about Jesus now. What does that resolve look like? It, it looks like God being a faithful God and giving us grace when we need it. When we didn't have it before. So what are ways that God builds this type of character in us? Well, let me, let me end it with this as we think about some takeaways. The first one is this. Seek renewal by praying for God's plan. Seek renewal by praying for God's plan. God, what is your plan? What is your will? What are you doing? Praying for God's plan. Here's my, here's my challenge for us. We're moving into this season. If you were to look at the Christian calendar, right, we, we had Advent. And, and within the Christian calendar, there's something called Lent. Now, we, we don't really practice Lent in, in, in the ways and maybe which you've heard about it before, right? But I think it's a very helpful practice for us as Christians to think about. And so the way we're going to think about it as a church, here's the challenge. We're going to do a 40 days of a journey to the cross. 40 days. And so this is, this is a, a willful exercise. This is something that, that you make a decision on. Do you want to be a part of? But we're going to have devotions. We, got, we found some really Christ-centered devotions from a church that we appreciate. And we, we read through. And we're like, okay, this, is, this could be really helpful for our church. And we're going to do 40 days of praying through this. And what, what happens during this season is there's this, this, this reflection, but also there, there's a practice of giving something up. And so our challenge is over these 40 days in this journey to the cross, before we get to Easter, before we get to, right, the Holy Week, where we, we, we remember Jesus coming in to Jerusalem, and we think about it as like this like huge crowd of people that were like, yay, Jesus! It's actually a really small group of people. It, it, it's not some huge crowd. It's actually people who were kind of looked upon and laughed at as they're, they're inter, as, as Jesus is entering the city on a donkey. But as we think about Holy Week and we think about the, the crucifixion of Jesus and, and really what he went through, and then we think about the empty tomb, before we get there, my challenge is to seek God over these 40 days and this journey to the cross and, and, and to, to do this uh, with us. And so what we're going to keep you updated on that. But it's just another exercise to, to really grow close to Christ in this time. The second point is uh, overcome rejection by embracing God's kingdom. Overcome rejection by embracing God's kingdom. Here's the thing we struggle with. We struggle with being rejected, right? 
There's this fear of rejection. And we can, we can be rejected because of things that don't match up with God's kingdom. We can just be really like adamant about, here's what I think, here's my opinion, but they're not matched up with the kingdom, right? It's not matched up with God or anything like that. It's just we're just like kind of offensive, you know, in that respect. That's what I'm talking, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about asking God to help me to embrace your kingdom, to live for your kingdom, and just to know that it's not always going to be accepted. And that's okay. That's all right. But I just want to live for you, Jesus. What's that going to look like for you personally? What, what is it in the areas that you need to embrace God's kingdom that just isn't going to match up with this world? And somebody might make fun of you. Somebody might look at you differently. Somebody might say, well, that's strange. But, but it, it lines up with the kingdom of God. It's just different. And then lastly, find resolve by remembering Christ's presence. Remember this, like he's with you. Here's the promise he gives. He said, never will I leave you nor forsake you. Why? Because Jesus was left and forsaken on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You don't feel like God's close? He is. He's closer than you think. He's closer than you think. I was talking with a friend this week and we talked about just how many times we want that like that earthquake experience or the, the angel letting us out of the prison experience. But many times the way that God comes is a simple whisper. A simple whisper. And could it be that, that, that he's that close to you that all he needs to do is whisper? Could it be that he's that close? Right? So just as encouragement to you today, like find resolve in remembering God's presence. Elizabeth Elliot once said, the secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. I use that one a lot, but I have to use it a lot because I have to remind myself of that a lot. Right? Secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. And that God could be working right now in the circumstances that I'm in to know him more. And so how do we live a life with a transformed character where the words of this life match up with who we are? It's through the words of Jesus, John 16, 33. I said these things to you that in me you may have peace and in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Friends, the gospel, the good news today is this, that Jesus has overcome the world. Whatever challenges you're facing, the greatest challenge has been defeated. My sin, your sin, death. It's been defeated. And we can find peace and rest in Christ today and know that he's at work. He's at work. He's overcome the world. So will we put our trust in him today? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you meet us right where we're at. That yes, many times we struggle, we face hardships. We saw the early Christians and the apostles facing challenges and trials, Lord, but they didn't look up and turn to you and say, 
where are you at? Why am I going through this? But they said, you're near. And I commit myself to you. And in that place, you built in them a character that they did not previously possess. And I pray, Lord, that you will make us people of character, Christian character, that looks different from the ways of the world. And in ways, it's going to cost us. It might cost us in telling the truth instead of lying. It might cost us in not pretending like we're something that we're not. Or just making a really hard decision that, again, is not going to, in the world's eyes, benefit us. Lord, settle these things in our heart and help us to know that Jesus is enough. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.